0: Oh the f- Sh- that get, if you! all the fans
1: day. Can we not knock it? It's a fact. I am not playing mind games. I am talking about facts. I always said if I was Aladicio, they'd probably say I was more of a tactical genius. So answer questions on everything: right? religious, you. politics, uh, health. No sexual uh, problems.
2: Look at his face. Just look at his face. None of you, except for those two, have done anything to
3: justify the money that you earn. None of you, disgrace.
1: And I suggest you shut up and show more football.
4: All right, welcome along to Team 33. I'm Raf Giallo. As always, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. That's at Team 33, all spelled out in words. We're also on Facebook and also on iTunes. Interviewee later on is Eric van Rijthoven. He's a Dutch former youth footballer who's now working for Google in Ireland. And Kieran Bradley, uh, who has been on the show a good few times, also brought him in and was sitting in on the interview. So that's coming up in a little bit. And um, we'll also talk about Red Bull um, and their involvement in football and also bottle jobs for no reason at all. I'm not. Looking at Jonathan Higgins for any reason. Uh, Joe Coffee is here though. Raph, good to be here in person for once. Good, good. End of call. How you doing, Jonathan Higgins? Yeah, I I arrived. I didn't bottle it and all that. Yeah. Good, and Ed Norval, who's on the show for the first time, over from Edinburgh as well. Um, And uh, you've already clarified you're a Hibs fan, which is uh, fine by us. Um, Had it been the blue side of Glasgow, I don't think you would have been quite loud in the studio. bought myself a
5: bit of time with that one.
4: (laughs) Or
0: or the Marine side of uh, Edinburgh wouldn't wouldn't have went down too well. Yes. Either or, either or aren't exactly.
4: Yeah. Now, before we get to the actual football, Joe, this is a fine time to be a Leitrim or Mayo fan. Oh, you know, if, if you put the combined table uh, of the league we together, we must
3: both be sitting pretty at the. No, Leitrim are actually top at the moment, uh, and then Mayo are
4: second, so wow. it, it's good times.
3: I mean, it's 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 a it's, it's a tenuous a, grasp. So it's the first time, <laughs> it's the first time in seven years since Mayo have won their first two games in the league. So, so we're definitely going to take it. And the win against Tyrone was particularly sweet. Um, They got a lot of plaudits at the weekend, which is nice to see. It's probably Mill's best performance since uh, the All-Ireland Final in 2017. Let
1: I just clarify
0: You're top of an imaginary table
4: Yeah it's doing the rounds on Twitter <laughs> I've been tagged in a few of these And I've retweeted them Because uh, it's important to know We're never top of anything So That's fair I'll give it to you uh, This, is, well, a, this Leitron, is a rare event
3: could well be Division 3 next year rough
4: We could be Now the fact is We still have about 5 or 6 games to go <laughs> ah, yeah, So it could still go downhill Gotta but,
3: take these big victories When they come
4: Yeah or in the case of Mayo not ever really. Well, Raph, I mean, no, I could, all I, Ireland.
3: I, I could list off a multitude of uh, big victories that I may have had in the last five. And not years. an all Ireland,
6: final between <laughs> them. <laughs> <laughs> says the Galway man. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's, that's, uh, exactly. Yeah. Let's let's
4: move to actual like soccer, soccer. Um, so Liverpool, of course, are now only three points clear, Jonathan, as you will have. Keenly noted. I've seen your tweets um, during games actually, which are quite entertaining, giving out about the referees, etc. <laughs> you have no right to give out about the linesman uh, in the West Ham game. But the wider question, it's the sense of they're not going to, it might not necessarily bottle it because City are also getting a few iffy results here and there. But are you worried?
6: No, no, because like there's a huge amount of hysteria to Liverpool in general at the moment because I think for once we have a, the joint is re- re- rewoken re-wo- is probably too strong of a word, but Liverpool are back in a title campaign again that we haven't been around for ages and it, it's something new I don't think at the start of the season many people thought that Man City could be challenged we, this is a Man City team that you know had gone on by a record by 100 points they the acclimated last season they had strengthened even more and at the start of the season nobody would have been surprised if City just strolled home again like there's a there's a huge amount of hysteria I think there's a huge amount of overreaction that's both in terms of Liverpool supporters which I can kind of understand to a certain aspect because it's just been so long, twenty nine years, and all Liverpool supporters want this league title so so badly. What I do find a little bit confusing and a little bit strange is the is the overall hysteria, both like in terms of media and general other, other general footballer kind of groups and communities. Because you have to strip back. Yes, it's a very disappointing result. Two very disappointing results in a row. But this is a team that is three points clear at the top of the league this is like people are kind of going to extremes or two bad performances yes but if you took those two draws and kind of you know chopped them in uh, mix them up throughout the the, the course of the season and it's not looking that bad you know it's played 25 it's well, a
3: draw against west ham away is a
6: good result yeah it's not it's not the uh-huh. end it's not uh-huh. yeah, i mean the only, d- the, d- the, the, only the,
3: the only difficulty is in a season
6: because of your competitors yes. for the title there. But you look, you look at yeah. the overall. In other,
3: to be honest, in other seasons, in a title race, it will be viewed as a very good point.
6: Yeah, it, and there's there's been many of you can look back over previous champions that have got results like that, and they've been going, oh, they were they were great results. But like you just look at it, 25 games, 119, 19, draw five, lost one. You know, people are talking about Liverpool being bottled and all that. But if you look at the last 10 league games, Liverpool have dropped seven points, Man City have dropped 12. But everybody's going on about Liverpool, you know, all bottled like nobody bottles a title in in February. Not not a team that's three points in the league, and you know even to break that down a little bit more, it's like Liverpool have dropped two po- or sorry they've dropped four points out of teams that are outside the top six. Like Man City, have lost to three of those teams: Leicester, Newcastle, and Palace. So there has to be a bit of a reality check. There's there's always going to be peaks and drops, and Liverpool are in that little bit of a, a drop, and you can see that in the performances, both the last two draws. We could very easily have lost those games. You know, the opposition teams had big chances. It's it's a long way to go. There's going to be there's one thing that I'll guarantee is there's going to be a lot more twists and turns before this season ends. Mm. And
3: I, I heard different. I heard a few commentators saying Man City are going to go unbeaten now between now and the end of the season. But like a few of them said that before they lost to Newcastle as well.
4: Yeah, in fact, if you're going to say a team is bottling it, both of them maybe are to a degree. Yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's,
6: de- there's definitely nervous aspects in both teams. Does <laughs> the fact that Liverpool were
0: seven points clear <clears throat> a few weeks ago and now City can go top of the league with a game even with even with a game in hand mm-hmm. even with Man City's results they're still in this title race very much so and they can go top of the table tomorrow does that not make it more of a bottle job no. if Liverpool were one seven points ahead and but ended like, up losing like how,
6: like you Before Liverpool before that disastrous December really for Man City how far were City in the lead? Like if yeah. Liverpool were a long way back
3: I think I think you can only call title races bottle jobs when teams go ten to twelve points ahead with no games in hand in operation or anything like that. I mean like I mean, if Man City ends up winning this title, it's not a bottle job at Liverpool if this is how it ends up that like they're neck and neck for the rest of the way because Liverpool had two fairly normal results. I mean, the fact that yeah, like you said, they came back to back means that that fair enough. People might talk about, oh, are they? Is the stress getting to them? But like, uh, you'd be expect
4: no. But I don't think anybody would be expecting Liverpool to win all their games once we got to the tournament. I, I might put the question another way, and this is to all of you. Then, um, if twenty fourteen hadn't happened, would the narrative be slightly different then? This time,
6: I don't think so because it's Liverpool. Yeah, there's been so many false hopes. There's been so many horrible twists. There's been etcetera, etcetera. Much more
3: interesting Liverpool being involved. If it was Spurs involved in this, there wouldn't be as much interest. Spurs are involved now. Uh, Well, they are involved. You know, now that
5: they're five points behind as well. Yeah, and they're actually bottling it a little Uh, bit as well. You know, they they've uh, had a few shaky results. So,
3: and I'd always kind of go. The problem for Spurs is the fact that they've never really been involved in anything when it comes to the Premier League.
5: Yeah, they bought that when Leicester won
3: it, as yeah, well. That was so it to be fair, you know uh, that yeah. was a bottle
6: job. Yeah, yeah that was. Um, I think it's too early, no matter what the teams are involved yeah. to say. The start of February, a team that's three points in the lead to say they've bottled it is far too early. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying Liverpool will go on to the, win the league. I think it's very much up in the air. Like I've said all along. It's going to be so close. I think there's going to be a huge amount of twists and turns. I think it's we're the going the most to
3: see. enjoyable uh, as a neutral. League, it must you know, be fantastic. A, quite a while, like I mean, yeah, I, I didn't particularly find the uh, Leicester City title race that enjoyable. Well, they kind that, of ran away with it a bit, bit towards the end. Um, yeah, I find I've pretty much every season since the Manchester City. United won
4: pretty much every season since then it's been boring and in that case United kind of bottled that uh, the 2012 yeah.
0: United bottled the 2012 Yeah, like the eight points clear or something weren't they and then they United were chalked back I, I think it um, it would be kind of disingenuous to put to not put context to the results because well fair enough in the grand scheme of things if you look at a, a draw to West Ham yeah that's fine and then dropping points before that if you spread them across the season it, it looks fine but the fact is they didn't spread them across the season. They were two games in a row, and now they're getting to the pressure point of a season where you will see if they have a big enough squad to go on to win the Premier League. And it's looking at the minute that City are the team that's going to do it, because if you look at some of the players that have been playing week in, week out, without a break for Liverpool, City haven't been doing that. You can barely predict whether City are going to play the same 11 players the next week Yeah, whereas Andy Andy Robertson played 20 or he, he started 23 games out of 25 this year and played all 90 minutes and the only replacement they have is Alberto Moreno who Jurgen Klopp does not trust Pep Guardiola is in a much better position right now going into a title race and this is a this is a t- uh, time of the season where it actually matters if you're going to be competing for the Premier League Manchester United it's an old cliche that they always play better after Christmas why do they play better after Christmas? Because they have better squad depth.
6: Yeah, well, the, the like to touch on the squad depth, I and mean, we've spoken about this many, many times here. I think one to eleven, it's neck and neck. If if both teams get their first choice elevens on the field. after that, it's you know it's night night and, and day really. And I'm, that's one of the reasons why. It could, not to stir it up, but everyone you know brought up about the cup campaigns and should he gone with this? That's very obviously he's completely justified now. Nobody can. Even think about it, no, ah,
0: it's still, I still just. Dis- so you want to get, get you a in them to win. No, like, you are in, you are not in the FA Cup to not win. You're not in the Champions League to not try and win the Champions League. Well, the real champi- champions would look, go for all the trophies. Yeah.
3: Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's not realistic. Like, yeah, it it's is not realistic. No, no not. teams no. have
0: done them before, okay, and yeah, great teams. Like, if you want no, to be judged no in the team, grand scheme of things,
3: I have it. No team comes from, like Manchester United when they won the treble; weren't looking to win the Premier League for the first time.
0: But that's this is why. People can't consider Man City to be one of the greatest teams in the Premier League history because they haven't won the Champions League. Liverpool, great team, fantastic. Yes, people remember this as the first Liverpool title in the Premier League era, but they'll never be remembered as a great team because well, well they didn't, but, they didn't but, care about the Champions League.
3: You don't know that because I mean, it might set in, it might set in stone a process that leads to Liverpool returning to former glories. Who knows? Might. Like it might, but like. It, 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 I think that, that uh, yeah, fair enough if you win a one-off Premier League to be honest you, a perfect example is Chelsea's victories in say this last decade I mean Mm. I don't think anyone's really going to remember Chelsea's victories in the last this last decade they'll remember Chelsea when when, under Mourinho in in, when they were
6: a machine yeah, yeah
3: but I don't think many people remember this Chelsea This I think this I think what they'll remember is Chelsea up to about where they won the Champions League and then after that it's kind of like oh yeah they won a couple of forgettable Premier League titles you know um but I, th- I think that I think that for Liverpool winning the Premier League has become such a a, a millstone around the neck.
6: Oh, it's an obsession. It's uh, a, it's a, like like it's just crazy, and you just have to look at. Liverpool fans, even just look at look Liverpool fans on Twitter or, or wherever, yeah. or talk to your Liverpool mates or whatever. It is an obsession. It's now, like
3: Mayo's quest for the all Ireland. I, like. I was about to say that if you could put it on par, it's it's the only thing I could describe you in sporting context. Obviously ours goes on a bit longer than yours. So but ours you know. is probably more of an exception. Perhaps in the Scottish Cup.
5: Yeah. <laughs> See, that was 114 years, 114 years, so I know the
4: obsession. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not. That's actually, even even the Mayo fans kind of go, oh, "Oh, (laughs) jeez. I I, I, I really
3: hope we're not waiting that long. Is that not why?
4: That's why
0: everyone wants to believe it's a bottle job, though. Which? the, the Liverpool, Liverpool thing ah look
6: I mean personally speaking that's why this narrative being said that's why it's, that it's such a it's, it's like, it, you know and get such traction on yeah, it hurts them so much it's, it's weird like usually but for
3: everybody to be honest with you everybody that isn't uh, a Liverpool fan is hoping that Liverpool will yeah lose. of course because that's what I'm saying like, particularly <laughs>
6: like say I was just thinking on the way in you look at our environment and like I know one Man City fan you know, he's a diehard yeah, City it's fan so, so nobody he's, cares you know, really. his family tradition yeah. has been passed down but yeah. apart from that there isn't a group you know, you no. go into work you go into pool of friends there you go, will have been about 20 maybe, years maybe yeah when all the but take it now you're having a conversation you're having a bit of banter or whatever back, back and forth you don't have that click of City fans so everyone no. is like aha you know, let's throw on Yeah, Liverpool. it's
0: fine if City win the league because you don't have to listen to their fans whereas you'll have to listen to Liverpool fans for years to come
6: don't get me wrong I'll put it on the record here now if Liverpool managed to win the league I'll be on. I think, mm-hmm. As will all Liverpool but you fans, prefer it
3: to be winning it against United. I'd say,
6: uh, to be honest, at, at this rate, it's such an <laughs> obsession. It's such. Uh, it's twenty nine years. I couldn't give a toss. Can't, out. can't be picky. Uh, can yeah, exactly. Just get us one, and then uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, no, that that definitely needs to the, leads to a huge narrative, I and mean, it's become. You just have to look. Even you know some of the little stuff. Even not just the football things, like on field stuff, like the. The pitch at halftime in the Leicester game—how much, how much reaction that got? Small little things now of just, just Liverpool is such a hot topic. It's mm. the definition of clickbait, really, yeah. and it gets the how do I put it—the dramatic journalism, the dramatic but headlines. That's
5: the problem with the hysteria is that the players also buy into it to an extent because with the frozen pitch, Van Dyke, you know, made an issue of, you know, both teams had to play on it, but that didn't help yeah, matters. Yeah. So the the hysteria obviously does get to them, and you see Klopp now reacting to Pellegrini. You know, there's a mm. few times under yeah, the pressure hist- closer hi- to his there teeth, though, you know, and it's a question as well as as how he'll manage. You know, exactly. I mean, he, he came f- under fire for <laughs> going to Ibiza with with his wife over Christmas. So yeah, that's true. It's like there's a lot on him now.
3: Like know? we, I always made the point in this that you know, I won't be gone, the media in particular. We're having this big love, love in with Klopp and that he's great fun and blah blah blah. But like Klopp is the same as every other manager out there when results start to turn against. Of
0: course he is. Yeah. He, he does get snipey in the media. Does. Of course that he not like, look.
6: You know, yeah. like you look at Ferguson. Like he bullied the media. He bullied referees, etc. <laughs> yeah. But he's a bloody good manager. Yeah. Remember,
5: Klopp wouldn't even shake Tony Pulis's hand after there was a few bad tackles. Yeah. It I was yes. in what. 2015 or something a few years like, oh, ago. It's one, in one of it was yeah. one of his first couple of seasons.
6: Yeah, yeah. like let, let's get one thing straight, you know, he comes across as this Missy happy guy and all that. And I know from behind the scenes like, yeah. you know, and he's, like, he's like stubborn the, as a as like a, as a
3: In the grand scheme of things <laughs> like when you're looking at Britain, it's not like a absolutely huge city. Mm. So like the football teams tend to dominate what's going on there mm. as well. I yeah, would, yeah. I, like, you know, yeah, because
6: like small little things like it's, you know, uh, an injury or, yeah. you know, a scandal might break in, in the footballing worlds and it's it's like welfare. It's that small. Yeah. It,
3: I'd view the, like the way I'd view it is I'd view it the same way male people obsess about the male football team. It's the same thing. Like it's yeah. it's what it, it is what binds everybody together there. I know obviously Evertonians as well. But, you know, like it, it, it does seem to be like, say it's a bit different than, say, for, for example, London, obviously, because London is such a massive city where you know you have your hotbeds but like there it just seems to yeah, dominate it's in the your face straight, yeah. straight
6: away and it it's leading to look don't get me wrong this is a fantastic position to be in but you know i i saw a documentary or kind of one of those sky rolling back the years i don't know can't remember what the exact words think premier league reviews or something like that and it flashed through to the infamous near miss stevie g slippy <laughs> g etc etc and I de-
3: never felt that liverpool were going to win that title i know hindside there's, there's a great lessons
6: thing. to be learned there yeah. in the fact that rodgers was an inexperienced manager at the time and he got completely encapsulated in the hysteria yeah. and didn't know what to do and gerard was the same way like Girard, you read a couple of gerard's books <laughs> and he's he said like I'm obsessed to wanted this so much they didn't have a clear head and it showed with the chelsea game well,
3: well, it, well, yeah well, sorry to cut across you the only point i will make just before i forget it is that the one interesting thing about that was it, the game where they were winning three nil against Crystal Palace, yeah. and then Crystal Palace came back to draw because Liverpool had this thing that they had to win five nil or something like that, so they went mad. And I was listening to some of the commentary uh, when I was on the way home last night from the West Ham game um, on on News Talk, and the, and the point that they were making was uh, uh, was that Liverpool were playing the game as if they had to win it. And he was saying because I, I I the commentator was saying that it looks. Dangerous. They could end up giving away a goal here because they're pushing up so heavy when there's absolutely no need to, and they're stretching the game that they could get caught. And you just worry, like, I mean, if that's the plan that they're under, that they're already feeling like we have to win every game. I mean, like, I know you go out to win every game, but sometimes it's the way you look at it, they, right? weren't, they weren't managing the game. You look, yeah, you look at you yeah, look the best teams that, that have yeah.
6: won titles over the years and they've won titles regularly, and they will just go, yeah, draw draws fine here, we'll move on. Yeah. It's a different mindset.
3: Sometimes nights go against you for whatever yeah. reason. Like. And
6: you, you look at it like, you know, everybody wins to, especially now it's an obsession. You drop two points and it seems to be the end of the world. It's not. You know, you gotta got to manage that. People
5: are already saying that, that is, this should be him. You know, if he doesn't win the league, that's him yeah. done yeah. at Liverpool. It's yeah, like but they're playing really good football. That's
0: interesting though because it's if you look at the Brendan Rodgers season as an example, Liverpool fans hold Brendan Rodgers in an extremely poor light now even though they brought Almost won he, the league, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah they 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 blame him for losing that title and it's going to be interesting to see now if that happens with klopp as
6: well the, because the, the problem with what rodgers was is that he lost the run of himself he came to liverpool and played tippy-tappy football he turned into counter attack football yeah, because i
4: remember his quote i think it was to joe malloy actually um it was what he wanted to bring in um, death, death, to live by it football. Was death by football, death by football. Death by football. Mm-hmm. and he spoke and about he
6: spoke about all the times that he was in barcelona and he learned all the methods and there's only a proper way to do and you saw at the start of Liverpool season, his first season under Liverpool, we could be 1 0 down in the 94th minute and we'll be passing the ball back and forth mm. in the back four. But then he completely changed that. He flipped that. You know, Suarez and Sturridge fell into a partnership. It went completely counter attack football. And like, bear in mind, when Roger, one of the first things Rogers did when he came to Liverpool was show Andy Carroll the door, rightly so. But just bear that in context, a couple of seasons later, he ends up buying Benteke, you know, in the same mm. style. Like, what are you doing? He completely lost the run of himself to an extent towards the end. It was just horrible. It was neither tippy-tappy, He was neither direct, it was just muck football. He fell in the, He fell in love with himself a little bit more. Um, I think it ble- kind of got into the hype a little bit more and that's why Liverpool fans have a bad edge. I mean, it's not because it, we didn't win the title that time because that would have been, if you think about this being a big achievement, that would have been exceptional. He's, that he's been
3: a bit unfortunate that people seem to kind of categorise as well I mean, uh, almost. Oh, that was the like, documentary ruined it well, well, it's a bit like the kind of scar issue with United. Is it's like Asher with uh, Suarez playing up front and Sturridge playing the way he was playing. Anyone could have yeah, managed yeah, that team. Definitely
0: not. You yeah, know, definitely that, not. Yeah. And the fact that they did concede about on average at least oh, two goals a game, but they were scoring five or six every yeah, single it was game. A it was
6: just a, like p- people talk about Klopp's football being heavy metal and gung-ho. That was yeah, that like, Brendan Rogers uh, that Rodger, Rodgers team was just insane. There were so many games that you would watch and you'd sit down afterwards and you'd just be emotionally shattered. You'd just didn't push over your cheeks and go, we've just won the game 7-3 or something like that. But I think it was a 6-3 against Cardiff at the time. Solskjaer's uh, Cardiff at, uh, at the time was just crazy, crazy stuff. It was... PlayStation football, is that what Gary novel described it? PlayStation
4: football. I think was that in reference to David Luiz, I think. It was yeah. around the
6: time, but it was that type of, that, that, that genre of football. Yeah, yeah, no,
4: it was high tempo indeed. Yeah. Uh, Joe, I think you mentioned in the WhatsApp group there's a few Arsenal, I wouldn't call them bottle jobs, but...
3: Oh, you were talking about the, when we were kind of talking about great bottle jobs. Yeah, oh, you like mentioned sure. a few, oh, and I know oh, 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 03 was one. Overmars.
0: Overmars. That season Overmars, um, the Overmars. The 98-99 season. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, the 98-99 season I wouldn't classify as a bottle job. It's just that United beat them when it came down to it in the end. But the, like the two thousand and three, two thousand and two, two thousand and three, it was just that they opened up an eight point lead in March with a game in hand, and you know, but they had played a game more. But uh, they lo- like they they lost to they were two nil up against Bolton Wanderers. And they let in two goals in the last 10 minutes to draw two all and then United overtook them and then they lost to Leeds 3-2 and Leeds were, that was the season Leeds were trying to stay up. So I mean that was the, that, and then they went on to have the invincible season the next season so that was the zero two zero three season and then obviously the one that a lot of people would probably remember a lot more at the moment would be the um 08, 08 season yeah. where they were going for the quadruple supposedly. And then uh was that
6: was that week, wasn't it? They kicked out of two yeah, competitions. Yeah, they they knocked out oh, yeah. two competitions.
3: Eduardo it, and Eduardo broke his leg, and Galas sat down in the middle of the pitch against that Birmingham, Birmingham, that Birmingham. Came yeah. back to yeah, and, and in the end, like I mean, they they, well. they they, they yeah. went they, they went through a cycle there where they just drew an awful lot of matches. They drew something like three or four, maybe it was even five Premier League games in a row. They drew an awful lot of games in a row, and like it looked like Wenger was going to you know complete this would have probably been a bigger achievement than the. Uh, in, in, in Invincible season oh, 100% in, in with the That was, the, academy's yeah. was the, the academy kind of academy team yeah. So and this was You know And this was when Chelsea Had all their money But it was it, it was the perfect Kind of vacuum there Because Chelsea had gotten rid of Mourinho that season So there was A little bit of vacuum Even, Well you could argue there's a bit of a vacuum But actually it ended up That United, Chelsea and Arsenal All ended up on 80s plus Within 4 points Yeah, or so it's of each like, other, yeah. I think uh, was it United won it I think With like 91 points And it was like Chelsea on 88 and Arsenal on 86 was so something mad like that you know um, but yeah that would have been a bottle job and then if we're talking about other bottle jobs I mean I
4: have Newcastle down here but I think it, yeah. you, we all, we've always played that clip of um, Kevin Keegan of course the I would love it if we beat them the only thing is that happened after they'd kind of almost bottled the league actually when you look at the time because he did that in April and by that time they'd uh, it had their worst run of losing like five or six games. and uh, that a,
6: a sign and then it kind of went Asprey a bit... is actually the one yeah. that gets
4: blamed for it because he was brought in in February and he was really erratic and I think we did a piece on him before where there's a lot of other facts about him that are quite interesting as well that be nothing to do with football, but that's <laughs> all he's Spria, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even, I mean, I, and even
3: so, so, from a Scottish perspective, I mean, the Celtic one in 2003 where Celtic were... Going for the UEFA Cup, and they were going for the Scottish Cup, and the League Cup, and the title, and they ended up with nothing at the end of it. But
0: they did get cheated out of the 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 UEFA Cup. I mean, Jose (laughs) Jose Mourinho was poor.
6: Peak Mourinho. It it it? was
0: it it was cheated. They cheated their way to the well, allegedly.
3: I mean, like they had actually, in fairness, a really successful season in the sense that they reached the final. Well, no, they lost to... They I, they got knocked out of one of the cup competitions early, but they, they you know they were they were in two they, and they lost. They ended up losing out to Rangers
6: for the title by a goal. Hmm. Um, it summed the season up really. Yeah. And the, the other yeah. image that I have of that is I think it's Baldi in the in the U final after getting oh Bobo uh, yeah, yeah after getting um done by a couple of um snide Mourinho dives. I think was, it was a deco at the time, or was jeez uh, there was some that that, deco. that Porto team was. <laughs> Yeah, theatrical to say the to say the yeah, went the on to greater
4: heights yeah, than the year yeah. the year yeah. after. And even yeah.
3: that, like I mean, the UEFA Cup was on the wane then, but geez, it even had more. It seemed to have more more of a stature back then than it does now. Well, they
6: didn't have all these stupid knockout games at crazy times. Well, they didn't. And the,
4: well, they didn't have all these crazy group stages either. Yeah. Yeah, pure knockout, I think, is the way that competition has to go. Yeah. The other one I had down here, apart from, say, the Newcastle one, um, always have to remember as well, Cantona came back in October of that year, started slowly, and then you know, I had a load of 1-0 wins where Cantona seemed to be the man who got them. But the other one... What year was that, Raf? That was 95-96, oh, the famous yeah. Keegan, uh, uh, Keegan one. Oh, the uh, Keegan brand. Yeah. Yeah. That famous one, I think that's always yeah. the one people go back yeah. to because they were obviously 12 ah, points yeah, clear at one yeah. point.
0: We do have another ongoing bottle job, Lid's are oh, currently challenging yeah, the, the championship
5: a bit harsh yeah that's interesting I've noticed there's a lot of Leeds United fans in Ireland now Eh? Yeah. Never. Be- yeah. <laughs> even Scotland as well never seem to exist until now but yeah that's Bielsa's I think Anki's a bit like Klopp in the sense that Klopp has won things and Bielsa's not really won much but they, they, they're very philosophy heavy coaches mm-hmm. and I think in terms of the actual grit it takes with someone like Mourinho would have that kind of grit it's like these guys are still to be tested and I think they're easy to fall in love with you know because they're, they're foreign managers and uh, s- strong ideas and uh, good public personas but now that it, it's coming down to the crunch for Bielsa you know this is the last sort of I reckon, big shot he's going to have a big team you know until he does something mm. and a fairly big team history wise yeah, it's, yeah.
0: it's, it's going to be interesting though that that press conference yeah. is going to be the Kevin Keegan clip of this decade if they don't get promoted I, to the Premier League like this year.
3: Everyone was saying it was complete, like This was the follow-up one. It, it was the follow-up after they got caught cheating. <laughs> I love that. Where His he outlined
0: to the world how you beat Frank Lampard Derby County. And, and any and
5: team that anyone wanted. Yeah. yeah, if, <laughs> if they wanted to say... It, uh, we have all
0: these folders and then... If they yeah. don't get, if they don't get promoted to the Premier League, that's, what, like, that's 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 I, I love that because I, I don't know
3: what he felt so. I mean, uh, no, somebody said it was insane honesty. Because uh, I kind of go, why did he? Because I mean, he's only doing what every other. He's eccentric, does. Yeah. though. That's yeah. the way
4: he is. He does the unexpected. Like nobody would have predicted he's going to go. into in, the thought, thought he was going to get so, sacked
0: you know, resi-
6: yeah. resign. Yeah. You know, everyone I thought,
0: thought this- he was going to resign. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because the it press conference been,
4: got called at like
6: five yeah, o'clock that day, and we just assumed
3: if he resigned. <laughs> and I, but the, what I found amazing was this mock outrage from all these oh, football analysts that it was somehow he was doing something really wrong. Like this isn't
6: the British thing to do, where you know this isn't. Don't do this in our country
0: And and another one Was Frank Lampard Coming out with The snag comments And uh, In the next press conference Okay Time for my presentation And then he was He he goes Yeah we do uh, We do research too As does every other team
6: (laughs) So that's why Derby advertised The data Uh, uh, Like a week later (laughs) (laughs) You can just imagine Someone watching The press conference Go should we not be doing that? <laughs> Why we're
3: Darby not doing? Uh, well, they, I mean, they advertised, advertised for
6: a data analyst,
0: uh, analyst yeah. like okay. a week after. Bielsa's, it was that, like uh, the
6: biggest knee jerk reaction yeah. to an incident. I just thought it was hilarious, you know. Yeah, um, you know, but like
3: I mean, I mean, Klopp, uh, Pep Guardiola. I mean, these guys are statistics heavy. I mean, mm. it's 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 not Moneyball, but it's 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 a, it's a, it's a, it's a I I, in my opinion, I don't know what they do but I would presume that they have football broken down almost in the way that baseball is broken down in st- into statistics I mean even said. smaller teams I mean yeah, even like down into Sandys, the championship even, to one
5: yeah, one yeah, one 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 you yeah. get that or what was everywhere time. now yeah. and, and other leagues as well you know in Germany Bundesliga 2 is full of that fully great coaches and it's uh, certainly over the last couple of years it's become the game the normal d- Almost yeah. the game has
6: developed though hasn't it of like yeah, from, Well from the, the great
3: point That yeah. everyone was making After the Arsenal City game At the weekend Was the fact that Manchester City Seemed to score the same goal Over and over again mm. Which is the tap-in From inside the six-yard area Like They yeah. scored something like It was 57 of And them. remember
5: City-Chelsea when yeah. uh, In December When Chelsea won 2-0 yeah. That was going to be One of these Sort of Battle of two great minds You know this was Sort of billed as Like the Two people like Sarri and Pep Being at the, the Pinnacle of This a very contemporary brand of football that's analysis heavy, tactical, driven, but they're also just great football minds. And everyone I would have thought would have swung with City and it went to you know Chelsea. Chelsea. Yeah. Although the momentum to, was with City early on.
4: Like if yeah, they'd yeah. taken their chances maybe yeah, we'd be talking yeah, totally, about a different yeah. game. So uh you know, statistics can only really get you um, so far, the but other thing as well. It's uh,
6: incredible, though, how, how what the, all these coaches have brought this the game to a huge level, yeah. and you know what they've yeah, added so I mean, much to it as opposed to. Well, you fun. look you look yeah. back at the highlights and say that you're in the early nineties, you know, it's pretty average football mixed mix in there. You know,
0: we were talking about this earlier on. Just well, at, like Kevin
6: at, Keegan, at who we office. talked about earlier, d- d- didn't do tactics. Yeah,
0: exactly. Oh. So if you look at the Premier League years, like it's it's a bunch of really good forwards who are so much more technically gifted than the defenders and the defenders are just in a position where they can stop them. They're not in a position where they can play and start attacks. Exactly. exactly. The uh, tactics have come a long way.
3: You're watching old goals and the one one that used to be quite common that, I don't know, I might be wrong here, but it seems to have disappeared is the one-on-one where uh round striker a striker would break the, the break the last man. Henri used to do this all the time mm-hmm. and he'd be the last man miles ahead of everybody else <laughs> and round the keeper and score. And you don't I don't know, I I'd
5: rarely see that Defensive you... lines are a lot more intelligent yeah. and keepers play a little more advanced now yeah. as well. Yeah. So their position's better. Iguain, he plays a, a lot when he was at Juve a lot like sort of off the shoulder of the defenders. Yeah. So he might be worth watching now, you know, at, at Chelsea. He might be someone that kinda of has more one on one opportunities because yeah, it just seems to be a goal that has, doesn't really happen much. No, it, yeah, it's,
1: it's
0: different now as well with the wingers. The fact that
1: yeah,
0: most teams play with more or less three players playing up front with the wing, wing well, backs yeah, coming in. Yeah, time. so like it's more you're more or less playing with five attacking players yeah. instead of the one player running in behind and beating the 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 defense. But also it is interesting because. The defensive lines are actually a lot higher now as well, so you yes. you think you'd see a lot more of that, but
4: uh, yeah, but all the strikers amazing. are being encouraged to come like back yeah. in field, yeah. collect the ball, and then maybe try and play it. Come off,
0: back you know. in, make the space, and then make a run. The out.
4: only game I've seen that in actually was in the Bundesliga
5: recently. It was when uh, Dortmund were scorching ahead at the top of the league, and they played Fortuna Dusseldorf. And the the only fault, real sort of flaw in Dortmund's team is that they play uh, very advanced. Uh, football you know under Favre and they basically left two defenders at the back and uh, uh, Fortuna just played with a a winger a fast player in between just long balls through you know to put them on one on one they won 2-1 but that's the only game in a long time that I've seen that tactic work with you know and uh, Dortmund just didn't adapt and in England it was a common tactic eh? Uh, you can look at Serie A back in the uh, football Italian 90s and Onwards uh, with football Italian Battistu. they all these guys had their their one on ones and it's.
4: Even Vieri and whatnot later yeah, on. Yeah, and it is. It's just. doesn't it's, happen no, anymore. It's
3: just, games, yeah, it's exactly. like the game doesn't allow it to happen.
4: Speaking yeah. of all the stats coming in as well, obviously, as football manager, not Ficionados now, that we don't get the game free every year. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we don't do peace on football manager anymore. <laughs> but it used to be a thing. and yeah. um, We were, uh, I suppose, we were bought in a way. But <laughs> apart from that, <laughs> like clever Solzgar, product, like <laughs> Clever product placement yeah. <laughs> Not so <sold> at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What happened to that football manager? So, I, I don't know. I took
5: over his mode team just to say I took over. His multi-man football manager, and I'm doing better than he done. I won the double in Norway, and of my second <laughs> season. And, he, so and the thing, have, yeah, yeah. The thing with so, him, he
4: was a huge football manager fan as well, as Solskjaer, Solskjaer, which, Solskjaer, yeah, yeah. A huge one. And uh, I think he used to play it. I don't know how much he applied uh, to real football, or whether he played uh, as Man United this season before coming over and taking over. It probably. I helps to,
3: well, I, 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 I argue that football manager does help develop your knowledge of the game a fair amount.
4: <laughs> That's
0: why he likes Rashford so much because he, he just watched Rashford come through the ranks at his at his United team. He when he was a player, you know, <laughs> I saw him as an eight-year-old bringing him up when he was a top-level striker at 16 in his football manager's career. Yeah.
3: <laughs> just oh, just, uh, just one thing, actually, before we move on. I was just reading there earlier on, uh, they're saying that UEFA are talking about officially scrapping the away goal rule from in an announcement tomorrow. Now, that might not happen, I don't know, but they yeah. have been it's talking Strong about talk it. that away yeah.
6: will get
5: removed. 90 minutes of parking the bus, eh? yeah. that's what's going to happen now.
0: Is it going to be a system Where they get rid of it altogether Or are they going to have Because the Carabao Cup have a Oh
3: well they might have I'd be surprised I mean I think if they bring in I don't like what they do With the League Cup Where away goals suddenly count When you go into extra Yeah that's a bizarre one for me Surely
0: it makes
6: more sense To have them in normal time
3: Yeah So I don't know I, I liked the away goal rule I mean what were people's thoughts
6: I just liked it because just go you, all of a sudden you're like one goal could dramatically change yeah, the yeah. the concept of of, of yeah. way a game w- was going and yeah um, I think I'd add a lot. Of, and look, I can see the reason why you know it, kind of football has evolved from the time the rule was brought in and the reasons why the rule the rule was brought in originally. But I don't know, I'm a bit old school with I it. Think yeah, I, it it I makes a it it draw it
0: a lot more interesting yeah, as well yeah, because yeah. if you look at United PSG back and I know when the draw was made, it was a completely pointless game. Everyone thought PSG. Yeah. We're going to trance United But now that United have a run of form I think United will do And it. they have PSG First up If they can not concede
5: And they've got Neymar injured now. Neymar injured yeah. Verratti
0: might yeah. not make yeah. the game There's rumours that he's going to be back But if they can Not concede Or even limit PSG To one goal In this first First game at Old Trafford Then that's going to that United could potentially Get through that yeah.
4: game Yeah I'd say it was just brought in Originally Whenever it did come in because it, traveling, yeah, traveling was so difficult was at difficult. the time. Like, it didn't want it
3: to be ending in a coin toss and all this kind of madness. Yeah,
6: but
4: like,
3: I mean, but now you might have a situation where more games are finishing in penalty shootouts, which is completely unsatisfactory.
6: Yeah, you, Can you need, give me a yeah. away goal over penalty shootouts. Uh, yeah, any no, a few
4: penalty shootouts here and there are good for the drama, but yeah, you don't want it to be happening. in the middle like, stuff no, all, all ne- time.
3: Neymar, I mean, Jesus, Neymar, he has just—I feel he has just
5: disappeared. Do you know he's twenty-seven now? Is he 24? He's much older than you think. Yeah, eh? I, I read tried, that the
3: other day. I just thought he's it. like 24. Like, I mean, he had an awful World Cup. And to be honest, I have not taken any heed of him since then.
6: Well, everything you wanted to know about his personality and kind of his football and his career for me, I don't know, maybe I'm a bit. He's old school and over the top a bit too much but once he moved to PSG that was for me kind of summed him all up. Like, yeah. But even the cla- fact
3: that he's injured like he was injured last season for their Champions League
6: well, knockouts. You know the story when it's his sister's birthday and he's all when like, oh, you, you go through the <laughs> two years yeah. in a row. It's, it's, <laughs> no it's, it's more than that even
4: it's like the last five or something like that. Actually in fact it's his 27th birthday sorry it's, it's today. It's yeah. today. Oh is it
5: February. today? Yeah, yeah. yeah
6: that's
4: why like, we like, did like that. Pri- then.
3: Like he's three years there where he's in his prime arguably I mean and then all of a sudden It will be
6: such a waste of his incredible football talent if he doesn't take it to the next he's level he's a good because, footballer but yeah. like,
3: he does rely on pace he's not like Messi like, in the sense that in my view anyway I mean Messi doesn't rely on has, has a lot of other things going on Messi can do everything nearly yeah I think Neymar is like you know like one thing that will catch up which is pace eventually
4: yeah but I think he is trying to get back to Barcelona which is quite funny because you hear little rumours here and there and he's trying.
5: also like a better Neymar eh
3: so yeah. Like
4: PSG, yeah. So. yeah, I'd say Neymar was looking at that World Cup final, happy for his teammate, but also kind of like, yeah. Ah, yeah. did you really have to take no. the line? <laughs> <out>? <laughs> I came to PSG to be the main man, like no. But anyway, we'll uh, we'll get to Red Bull as well very, very shortly. But first off, there's an interview with Eric van Rijthoven. He's a Dutch former youth footballer now working with Google in Ireland and myself and Kieran Bradley uh, were chatting to him. So here it is. Okay, welcome along to Team 33. Raf Giallo here. And uh, we have a uh, Dutch person in on the show this week, not for the first time, actually. We've previously, we've had Edgar Davids on and also the great Johan uh as well. But uh, this is someone who's actually now living in Ireland, working for Google, Eric van Rijthoven. I hope I've uh, pronounced that nearly okay. Yeah,
7: that's good enough. Good enough. <laughs> good enough <laughs> is not good. That'll do. <laughs> It'll do. And Kieran Bradley,
4: do. and uh, who obviously is the contact here who brought him in as well. Kieran, welcome along. My pleasure. Right. So first off, as I said, you are working with Google now. You're here, yeah, living correct. and working in Dublin. How did it? How did you come from, say, the Netherlands, and then end up moving here?
7: Uh, well, to be honest, I never really imagined that I would end up in uh, in Ireland. Um, I was looking for jobs in Spain mainly, uh, and I had a job offer to start in Madrid. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I was hoping to get some yeah sun, you know, like a very nice uh, climate. Um, but then I applied for Google as well, because that was really like a dream for me to work for, for Google. Yeah. Um, although I, I never thought I would really get in. Uh, but then we, I had some interviews. I came on site to, to Dublin um, and it went actually very well. So I got a job offer to start here from uh, January. Mm-hmm. So that's been around a month now and it's been uh, it's been really great actually. Yeah,
4: First I'm impressions it. of Dublin, apart from the rain and the bad weather. Uh, we've actually,
7: been I, I, I didn't really have like a, a clear image with, with Dublin yeah. before I came, mm-hmm. um, which is maybe also good. So you, you go in with a fresh mind, let's say,
1: mm-hmm.
7: uh, and, and I'm actually really loving it here. Um, I feel like there is a very nice vibe around in the city as well. Uh, and I, I enjoy spending time with my my new friends that I made in the company. We go out in the weekend for drinks, uh, and it's been really it's been really great so far. Actually, yeah.
4: I think Bradley can help you with some of the cheaper spots that need to be on. <laughs> yeah. Temple Bar is quite expensive. That's a that's a rookie yeah, yeah, mistake yeah. for newcomers uh, to, <laughs> to the city. But um, so we actually were getting you in because obviously you have a football connection. Um, yeah. You played youth team football for NAC Breda. Now, for those who might not know the club or even the city, what size city are we talking about here?
7: So in the Netherlands, this is a middle-sized city. I think it's the sixth, sixth biggest city we have, uh, around 250,000 people uh, live in Breda. And uh, the football club NAC Breda, uh, it's not the best football club of the Netherlands, but it is one of the most fun ones to support. Um, they're actually, they, they are, they're always like in the, in the lower parts of the competition. Right now they're in the, the bottom of the league uh, of the Dutch Eredivisie. Mm. Um, but they're very known for their, their nice atmosphere in the stadium. Um, fun fact is that, for example, the fans of Nac Breda, they drink more beer all together and it's a stadium with 20,000 people and they drink more beer than the stadiums of Feyenoord and Ajax, 100,000 in total together. So <laughs> That's
2: very impressive. You were in a born way. to move to Ireland. <laughs>
7: Yeah, you could say. <laughs> yeah, it's uh,
2: it's a, it's an easy adaptation. Let's put it
4: that way. Um, so obviously you've just spoken about the club there in terms of size. Um, one of the other facts, obviously, the city. Um, Virgil Van Dijk, Liverpool. He's not quite a legend yet; needs a few more years. But Li- yeah, uh, Liverpool yeah. defender, a months, stalwart, maybe. possible Premier League winner. He is from there as well.
7: Yeah, he he is. We are very proud of him uh, in our city. Uh, although at quite a young age, he already moved to um, to a different club. Yeah. Uh, he, I think he never even played for Knokkebrughe if I'm if I'm uh, correct. Um, I, I do know some some friends of mine who used to play with him on the street, you know, in our city, and he was already like uh, a tough guy, you know, like not not the kind of defender that you want to. Uh, <laughs> Want to meet as a striker, so it was um, already kind of like a
2: monstrous kind of defender, tough, etc. Yeah, et strong yeah. yeah, guy. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was think he was he well developed physically, kind of fairly on his, early on in his career? Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
7: he was. He was always. I mean, he did make uh, very big jumps uh, physically as well. I think in the last, like since he came and joined Celtic, mm. I think. Uh But he was always like uh, you, you could see he was a potential. Monster, let's say you know, like uh, physically, especially. Yeah,
4: was he, was is he still kind of regarded as like a local hero, or how big is the name, I suppose, in the city itself?
7: Um, well, the fact that he never played for for my club, not yeah. uh does diminish the fact a little bit uh, that he's that he's a hero, let's say. Uh. But um, definitely, people are very proud of him, uh, and yeah. But the fact that he didn't play for the club maybe diminishes that a little bit, yeah.
4: Yeah, I suppose pictures I would have in my head about Dutch youth football and I think this is generally the the outsider perspective of what we kind of expect when you're starting in and obviously you can tell us maybe where we might be wrong but it's all 4-3-3 there's no kind of emphasis on winning games it's uh, it's all very technical short passing I guess you play um you know small sided games first before you play the full 11 is that completely accurate
7: Yeah, that actually that, that's very that's very accurate yeah. I would say uh in my my youth we always played 4-3-3 with my team and the teams we encountered i think I, I can't even remember a single time that we played in a different formation uh it's really the way that that uh, it seems like the way that god intended the dutch to play you <laughs> know like it's really like a holy thing in the netherlands in in youth especially yeah uh, to grow up with 4-3-3 and with like uh, two controlling midfielders and the number 10 although that that's kind of changing sometimes Mm. uh? sometimes we have a defensive midfielder as well now with two more attacking players but um, now in general that's that's the way we play yeah
4: yeah and in terms of training what do you kind of do because we have the issue here in ireland i'm not sure how aware of it you would be but in terms of the technical side of the game it's not our strongest point Mm -hmm. i think there's a there's a i suppose a stereotype that we're very um direct it's uh you know it's long balls etc not fully correct as well because we're trying to change that as well but in the Dutch thing is there kind of an emphasis where you're just doing short passing as much as possible or is that also another stereotype that we might have?
7: Um, Well the short passing um, that that might be a stereotype Yeah, Mm. we we definitely also trained a lot on long passing uh, like exercises where you had like for example a couple of short passes and then you had to open the ball to the other side of the field so we definitely uh, had an emphasis on long passes as well. Um, but the technical aspect of it, that, that's always been very, very important. And yeah. always about dribbling, about your first touch, you know, like the basic technical stuff that that has, has to be all right. Mm.
4: Yeah. And uh, on the other side of it as well, in terms of, you know, how much time you have to take to be involved in a club of that size, because obviously it's an Eredivisie club at times, maybe it drops down from time to time, but even at youth level, um, I think here in Ireland generally, because I was at an, uh, an Ireland under 15 thing recently, we train about two times a week generally. These, really? I think the clubs, and you sound a little bit surprised. So, how much, <laughs> yeah. how much time generally in a week would you have been involved going down to training uh, mm-hmm. or even taking in games and stuff as well?
7: Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, that, that's surprising actually. Uh, I think my club was kind of soft mm. um, in the way that we didn't train that much and that was four times per week. Okay. So, uh we would train on Mondays, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday after school. We would be either picked up or you you would drive yourself to uh to the football club. Um and then on Saturday you you had a game of course, and then uh, most other teams, especially the teams in like Ajax and PSV, uh, these these guys even at a young age they would train twice a day often already. Mm. Um they studied at the club as well. And they, they, they lead a very different life than their, than their let's say, uh, than other kids of their age. Yeah.
2: And in, in that respect, the, I think the impression that generally prevails about uh, probably Dutch culture more widely, but, but maybe specifically Dutch football culture, is that there seems to be quite a holistic approach, you know, looking at the whole person. So in terms of your education, mm-hmm. was this something that was kind of dealt with by the club, yep. you know, or do they have affiliate schools, or how did that work?
7: Yeah, yeah yeah that's it's very true as well um they, they take your education very very serious in my club for example uh, at the end of every school period we had to we had to give our our grades to the school uh, and if your grades were really insufficient then they would really like take you out of the first team as well oh, wow. uh, and they would bench you for for a game as well for example until your grades would start improving. Um. So they took it seriously. Yeah, and and we had indeed also affiliate schools, um, where you could where you could go. I, I didn't go there myself, but some some other kids in the team did. Mm. Um, where you, you would get extra support, um, where they would really adapt your schedule so you could make it to trainings in time and that kind of uh, yeah measures.
4: So there's an encouragement to, you know, try and get to university as well, have that backup plan just in case the football Absolutely. doesn't work out.
7: Yeah, it's, for, it's that's what happened with me as well, because they were so, they put an emphasis on education as well. Yeah. I, I'd been able to uh, go to university eventually because it didn't work out. Yeah,
2: And in that respect, I'm, I hope I'm not sort of uh, coming to Raf's territory too much here, but... um you obviously left the the youth academy system at, at some stage what 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 age was that that you left 18 18
7: Seven, 17 i think i was still 17 yeah
2: okay i think it it would uh, sort of be in most people's mind that that is a hell of a blow to someone's you know self-esteem when you've been building towards something for you know the entirety of your adolescence mm-hmm. would did was that the case i mean did you did you feel that did you, when did you realize that you were probably not going to be making the grade? Was that something you were prepared for or did it kind of come as a, a bit of a shock?
7: Um, for me personally, it didn't come as a shock. I really felt it I felt it coming. Um, I think when I was around 16 years old so my last two years, you really feel who are the, the top two free players of the team. So we had this one guy in my team for example he was called Usama Idrisi. Uh, he's now playing for Azet. Uh, and for the Dutch national team under 21 um, or actually he's, he's, he's going to make his debut for the Moroccan national team as well ah, soon probably yeah. um, and for for example with him you, you really saw like he, he's so clearly so talented and he was going to make it you know and then for two or three others they were on the edge and the rest of the team yeah they were just they were there, but you knew they were never going to make it and I was... Yeah, for uh, the players say,
4: that you said was going to make it and he is going to be coming close to getting into the Moroccan national team, because they often talk about the psyche and the mental side as well. Is that kind of visible, like that kind of ambition or the, you know, maybe just the mental strength that's needed to get to the very, very top? Or what, is it something that you can actually see yourself?
7: Yeah, with, with him, you, you saw, you felt the confidence when... Uh, it it I think it's a double edged sword as well, you know, because he had so much talent and mm. he was so confident on the ball, for example, that uh, you he you, you he just like had this aura of confidence around him, um, and and it's always the question like does it come because he has so much talent or is it because he's mentally so strong that he is so good? So yeah, hard to say which uh, influences which, but yeah. Yeah
4: and as you said for yourself was it kind of you know from 16 you said obviously you kind of looked at it realistically maybe football wasn't going to be the career path but maybe a few years earlier was it a dream to be a footballer or did you always kind of have maybe you were looking at like there's a good few options here that you can take your life in one way either educationally or whether it is football if that works out.
7: Yeah that's that's exactly how I went into it Um, football was a dream for me and becoming a professional player was a big big dream for me yeah. Uh, and I worked hard to to uh, accomplish that dream. But I also always worked hard on my backup options of going to school and having good grades to be able to go to university later. Um, because in, in the back of my head, I always knew that there would be a very good option that I wouldn't make it. Because mm. it's just just the two or three best players of the team, especially in a club like Nac Breda, just the two or three best players make it. Talk about Ajax, maybe the ten best players make it, but in a club like mine, uh, that's that's just not the case. Yeah. Yeah, you're a huge Ajax fan, aren't you? Well, I, I watch basically every game of Ajax, and for example, last summer I was uh, I traveled around in South and Let, like in Latin America, let's say. Oh yeah. Uh, and at a certain point, I was in the bus in Guatemala. I was traveling from one city to another. And uh, like in the mountains somewhere and I I had like a little bit of internet connection and Ajax was playing in the in the qualifications of the Champions League so I basically (laughs) called my dad through whatsapp and then he put like his phone in front of the TV (laughs) 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 so I could watch the game
4: That is obsession to a level yeah, I would not right. even yeah, think Yeah, that's about. crazy, right? That's so that total, is that total is football. <laughs> so that, that is total football in the highest sense. So um, obviously Ajax have a lot of good young players that are coming through. Some of them now off to Barcelona, Frankie de Jong, uh, Matthias de Ligt also linked with a move yep. away as well. Um, do you remember when these kind of players were coming through at the time as well? Because I think it's for us... We've only realised that their talents maybe in the last year or two, but um, I'd say the Dutch probably realised that a bit earlier.
7: Yeah, we felt we felt it coming. We felt it coming. Although with with De Ligt, he came so early into the first team.
4: He's only uh, eighteen now, isn't he, or something? Yeah, he's, he's nineteen years yeah, old. Yeah, he's very, very young, young. Yeah,
7: uh, and I think he made his debut on seventeen years old. And basically, when he came in the team, he he never disappeared. He just mm. stood there and next to he started next to uh, De Vincent Sanchez. Um, when who's obviously playing, now
4: at Tottenham yeah and yeah, doing well yeah. great
7: great defender as well of course um, so he learned a lot from him apparently because uh, after that he's been like he's been growing so much mm. and he's like an absolute beast really
4: yeah um, in terms of the Ajax players you might have come across when playing youth football are there any kind of star names that we're looking at now that maybe you did uh, play in a match
7: Um, for Ajax, I, I played once against uh, Kenny Tete and he's oh, yeah. a player right back, of the yeah. Dutch national team yeah. as well, Olympique Lyon. Yeah. Um, and the final team, we play quite often against uh, a midfield uh, with Tony Villena, he's a Dutch yeah. national team player, and Nathan Ake. Uh, yeah. Oh, Nathan Ake, yeah.
4: yeah, he's doing quite well for himself as well. Yeah, um, yeah he left quite, he, again, it's one of those things, he left quite early, I yeah. think at the age mm. of 16 or so, moved to Chelsea, yeah. um, and obviously it's through the loan systems now that we're seeing him kind of develop, which is an interesting thing as well, yeah. yeah. There's some, there some massive names. Yeah, and yeah.
7: Nathan Ake, apparently he was very, very impressive when we mm. were playing against him. Um, yeah, he was incredibly strong already, and he was actually playing as a midfielder back then, uh, he was a really box-to-box midfielder. Yeah, um, and I, I would have loved, I would have loved to see him develop as a midfielder actually, because um, he, of, of course, he's not the the tallest uh, guy, um, but he's doing very well as a central defender now as well. So that's great to see. Yeah. And if
2: you were, um, the the impression I think that a lot of people have with with Dutch football, with the, the kind of total football idea, at least that, that young players are put into almost every different position on the pitch. Did you where? Where did you feel most at home? Where did you end up? Uh, you know, where was your primary position?
7: So my primary position was um, right midfielder. Cool. So we played often with uh, number number ten, let's say, um, and then two midfielders just behind him. Um, so I played kind of box to box as a right midfielder. I had a good stamina, so I was really able to to play box to box. Um and after that when I w- when I moved back eventually to uh, a lower league, I played in more in attack actually as a like a left forward mm-hmm. um, because I, I had my speed as well so I could be really like uh, threatening in, in attack let's That's say, right. Uh,
2: but the versatility we could have done with that and uh, last Monday. Yeah, sorry, we 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 were we there. were invo- we were on the same
4: team for a five side uh, oh, charity yeah. game last week, which um, neither of us scored. Well, listen,
2: um, you know, it's a team game, Raph. And it's a team game. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah.
4: I got five out of ten, in, or four out of ten, sorry, in little, the, uh, the ratings. six I'm for Bradley over
2: here. Yeah, no, no it's not bad. We won, by gave the way. you each other, other ratings?
4: Or? <laughs> no, uh, one of our colleagues uh, who was outed there recently, Darren Cleary, um, who was in goals for the other team, he did all the ratings except his own one, um, fairly <laughs> enough. So he was
2: uh, very generous to us, let's say. But Yeah. Uh,
4: but in the end, we won and we prevailed. But Listen, there's, uh, the,
2: there's no asterisk in the history books. You know I mean?
4: <laughs> Certainly not. I um, guess a final point, because we often have, uh, like, I suppose the Dutch haven't qualified for your 2016 or the 2018 World Cup. And yeah. although things are starting to pick up a little bit, as we mm-hmm. saw in the Nations League, are like in terms of the concerns that you would have, maybe in terms of where Dutch football is going, is it a blip? Or are there fundamental things that you think need to be improved?
7: Um, well... What, I, what I've been seeing in the in the last years is that for some reason we've been able to develop very good defenders while we used to be very good at developing attackers yeah. but in the last years only good defenders have been coming out of the youth academies and we have a complete lack of attackers or creative players let's say mm. um, so I'm not entirely sure what, what the cause of that problem is um, I think One of the causes could be that young players nowadays in the Netherlands, they sit more behind PlayStation and they don't really go out that much anymore to play on the street, you know, Mm. and really dribble all day long and work on that technique on the street, because that's where most of the big players, like Robin van Persie, Mm. started on the streets in Rotterdam, you know, he was day in, day out, he was on the street training. Um, And I think young players nowadays, they, they kind of like that a little bit, but that seems to be a global
4: that. problem as well because we talk yeah. about that as well yeah. here with people behind yeah, playstations course. xboxes yeah. or the robbie kane you i know, feel old now but i can't guys. think of the latest consoles or what they are but yeah but <laughs> that seems to be a major problem because yeah like if you read back the stories of even you go back to hullet RyCard, etc they all played on the street yeah they took obviously <clears> they were then developed with that total football system so whatever they'd learned on the street mixed in with a kind of technical game seemed to take Dutch football which your population isn't exactly massive compared to say France or Germany mm-hmm. but you were on that level
7: Yeah I hope with our uh, strong defence let's say it's <laughs> yeah. probably going to be like uh, our, I think our game plan with, for the next years will be quite like a counter attack uh, yeah. non-Dutch style because we have such a strong defence right now with uh, with De Ligt and, and the Virgil van Dijk then we still have uh, De fry uh, of, mm. of uh, Inter Milan, Milan yeah. Internationale um, and, and I think we lack really attackers, so uh, it's probably going to be a counter-attack plan for the next. Season. Yeah,
4: well, it worked at the 2014 World Cup when. Uh Van Haal basically changed into <laughs> yeah. it like a 3 5 2 with yeah. Robin playing up front alongside Van Persie. So, look, who knows? We all like Dutch football, though. I think we exactly. all kind of grew up with that idea, the orange shirts,
2: anyway, being the main thing. And also, as you've heard, Raf is very well connected in Dutch football. So, you might still actually get a game for the Dutch <laughs> national team that at this stage. Nice. You never know. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah, no, we'll work
4: on a few more. Um, for we, some
7: Irish games. Ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: We'll work. We'll get a few more kind of Dutch legends on, but it's going to be hard getting the likes of Dennis Bergkamp or maybe Patrick Kluivert to say yes. I may have to just do a bit of digging or maybe beg outside their front doors or gates or something. But anyway, look, Eric, uh, thanks a million for taking the time for to come in as well. Because hey, it is fascinating. It to Yeah, we've been talking a lot about Irish youth football. It's good to see how another country does it. And best of luck with all your work in Google. We might get you in another time as thank well. Thank you very so, much. Thank you. Yeah, that
7: would be great. Thank Cheers. you.
4: All right, that was Eric van Rijthoven. So he has moved to Dublin in the last month and is now working for Google, but some interesting stuff there on Dutch football. Um, Ed, you wanted to talk about Red Bull and their (laughs) involvement in football. There's a lot there because they're not just involved in football as well. For those into Formula 1, obviously they own the Red Bull team, which has been there since 2005, and then Scuderia, Toro Rosso, the second team as well. They're involved in a lot of other sporting matters, but the football one's the one where I think there's been more controversy.
5: Yeah, well, I think the... The sort of the the interesting aspect is, I think they kind of epitomise the the sort of like small C conservative nature of football fans um in general. I think that there's this the sort of movement of against modern football. You know that that it's kind of died out as a label now, but the idea is still very much there, and most of us probably would get on board with it. Um, I think that the Red Bull were kind of epitomised exactly the antithesis of what modern football should be. You know, it was it was uh, led by a brand. They circumvented the fifty plus one rule. Led, led by a brand like everywhere. You know, every hoarding in their stadiums, Red Bull on their kit, their badge, everything. Yeah. Um, but then when you actually look at the the sort of mechanics of the team um, of the way all of their teams are run, it's very counter to the the initial sort of. Um, the way we would interpret the team, you know? And I think um,
4: the. So the teams they have, anyway, it's RB Leipzig or yep. officially Rassenball yeah, and yeah. then Red Bull Salzburg. Um, that was the first one they really yeah. um, took over first. And then New York Red Bulls. Yep. There's a Red Bull Brazil as well. Yeah, Interesting. Which and then. Gain, uh, gaining too much traction, yeah. I don't w- think. And Red Bull Ghana, one. which is kind of gone now yeah, as well. Yeah.
3: Uh, would they be all despised in their football? I, I would presume in the German one, there's a particular hatred for them.
5: Yeah, well, I think that was the, the reason. You know, German fans are, and the league, the Bundesliga, tends to be held in quite high regard by football fans around the world. Maybe as the best sort of yeah. run league, and I think the the reason that that the opinion of Red Bull was held initially was because fans didn't like them. Um, even though there was probably more reason to dislike them in Austria because they were quite. Barbaric in the way they took over the team—they were
4: going to wipe like the history wasn't. They it? totally yeah. did. They, yeah, brought, they, they only brought the, the, the history and, back on the website um, yeah. on Os- or what was Austria Salzburg, but now is Red Bull Salzburg yeah, yeah. only like a few years ago. That's right.
5: Yeah. yeah, the start they they basically said this club was founded in 05 and it was it's not good, you know. And then this team have obviously they've reformed in the lower echelons and they've moved up as Austria Salzburg with their colours back and and then in Germany it wasn't so bad when they took over the team. Uh, they in 2009 they bought their licence um, to start from the 5th tier but this other squad were quite happy with that because it was a little bit of money for them and they weren't doing much anyway so they kind of used that money constructively yeah. um, or as constructively as they could um, so yeah there was probably less reason to dislike them or distrust them in Germany um, but I think because of their circumvention of the 50 plus 1 rule that really
4: got fans backs up there's a few exceptions, isn't there, aside from them as well. Yeah. Is it, um, Wolfsburg, I think, is one, isn't yep. it? Because obviously as they have the Volkswagen, Leverkusen. Yeah, Leverkusen, another. Hoffenheim also yep. would have had a billionaire owner yep. as well, yeah.
5: Yes, so. if you've had your private ownership for over 25 years, um, you're, you, you're exempt from the 50 plus one. Um, and this rule was only introduced in 1998. Mm. Fans, uh, they were all sort of fan associations. Um, up to 1998, then the 50 plus one came in. And that's, I guess, the the initial worry was that, that Leipzig will be the first of many to do this, you know. And will this be the sort of erosion of something we hold dear? Um, and yeah, I think the like ultras groups were very quick to react. You know, a lot um, of you know, Dresden fans all dressed in like, black bin bags to show, like, to, to basically nullify themselves within the crowd to say you know football is nothing without real fans uh, another team I can't remember it was threw like a severed pig's head onto the pitch um, but uh, yeah I think it was a pig it would have made more sense if it was a bull um, and these sort of things travel you know and like lad bible people read the, the headline mm. and people think fans think yeah bad that's it I and mean, then that's, that's for me that is basically as far as it's gotten, that, that a headline's been read, uh, and with some reason to to dislike them, and and no more must be looked into. Yeah. Well, there's how, a lot more there, you know.
3: How how has it gone for New York Red Bulls?
5: Yeah, I mean they're definitely doing well. They're, uh they got into the uh, what do you call uh, the do, playoff do, do, final last. But list. do they
3: like? I mean, would they? Would there be more goodwill say towards them? Well, like I suppose it's different in yeah, American, I mean, American. We, uh, yeah, American it's because there's less history mean, it's, 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 there, it's, and it isn't it's so uh, new. As American well, isn't? Yeah. like sport is very predisposed to. it's yeah, front. Fr- you look at the NFL,
6: yeah. the franchises. Look at the Rams even in yeah. the Super Bowl; they've just moved recently yeah. as well. You know, you don't have that in capture Whereas, to me, the German football fan is almost like I admire them so much because. They stand for so many principles, and they yeah. they stick their fingers up to the TV companies and all that. And absolutely, sure. Monday, Monday night, like Monday night and the, yeah. yeah. And Surely they,
3: the long term dream though must be Red Bull London
4: FC. Didn't they look at West Ham? I think I remember yeah, reading I that a few years, years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
5: Just I think they are very smart. Dietrich Mateschitz owns Red Bulls, very smart, and the the guys Ralph Raniak specifically who will return <laughs> he's to being tough the, cookie. He's amazing. <laughs> he, he'll go back to being their director of football. He's a very smart guy. You know, he's basically muscled out the suits from Red Bull and made it, all the clubs, as director of football, very linear in their sort of internal culture. Okay. You know, and I think he's done a great job with, uh, with the club and I think they're too smart to try and make it
4: work anywhere else. Yeah. A yeah. Leipzig example is pretty good as well. I mean, in terms of obviously they, they bought out a, or they bought the playing rights of SSV, and I'm going to try and pronounce this, um, which were in the fifth tier. I think they still exist kind of as yes. an affiliate yeah. club. Yeah. But um, Leipzig, for those maybe who don't know, it's obviously in East Germany, which has been economically devastated yeah. since the, the country reunited. And, you know, my dad. Briefly studied and worked or lived in uh, in Leipzig back in the 1960s, and their club would have been locomotive Leipzig back in the day. They're nowhere now. Like Leipzig doesn't didn't pr- prior to RB Leipzig coming in, there was no club major club in the city, and you can actually say that about most of East Germany as well. There in aren't that seven, many.
5: In 87, the wall was down, in, or the reunification was 1987. Uh, VfB Leipzig, I think, won like the Cup Winners' Cup, so they sort of had a reputation. Yeah. And Leipzig, I'm sure there was some... I think there was one up to 94. There was one in the top division. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And then there was also some of the, I think some of the bureaucratic headquarters were maybe there. So they did have some history, you know, uh, Leipzig as a city of football. And then, yeah, as soon as as essentially brands were allowed to invest in Germany, um, companies invest, sorry, businesses, um, it was just the, the Soviet East just suffered. And so did football without any investment, you know. So the West just got huge amounts of money, and yeah, there's really been, I think, three teams in the Bundesliga since since 1990
4: or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very few. And I'm For sure what's... one of them's
5: like you know way not gone, but you know way down, sort of fourth tier or third tier now. So
4: yeah, because you mentioned Dynamo Dresden, that'd be one. Yeah, of them Dresden is moves, one yeah. of them. There aren't yeah, there aren't too many outside no. of that. So, so and that's is, a big region. So
3: is is there a uh, more of an acceptance now? of the Red Bull situation since those changes, since that kind of linear director of
1: football?
5: I think one thing that might um, contribute to their sort of assimilation would be that Germany don't have many East German players in their national team. Yeah. And I think, uh, and this is the case also in, in New York, that um, they do a lot of grass grassroots work, um, a lot of community outreach to get kids involved, you know, literally from childhood eh, in some capacity and then eventually these will hopefully go through the academies and stuff and i think when you get more east german representation in the national team then that sort of sense of pride because the the east is still very different to the west you know then that might sort of help with the the acceptance wider as well and time you know these things do take time
3: what's your thought do you think it's a good thing
5: um, yeah, I mean, I I I like the I don't like the way that they entered the leagues. I think there, there's very, it's very difficult, certainly in Austria, to excuse that. And I think it's one of the, the worst things any football team can do. I mean, you imagine your football team was it's taken it's away. It's a bit like the AFC, you know, Wimbledon. The Wimbledon, yes, that's the one just that I just like thought of. Exactly. Milton Keynes. Becoming yeah, sorry. NK yeah. Dongs yeah. and stuff, yeah. it's horrendous stuff. Like, yeah. It really is, because that's, well, you know, it's much more than your club. It is your, yeah. part of your identity. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, I think it's uh, with like Ranick as the director of football, they they've done so much sort of or so much of their, their culture is exactly what we would look for or hope for in a in a contemporary football team. You know, they sign young players for fairly cheap. Nabi was signed for it was one point five million yeah. to Salzburg, went to Leipzig then sold for sixty million, you know. Even though they have uh, money in the bank on paper, it's not really money they use. They generate their own finance, and they're very, very sort of forward-thinking in terms of um, like staff appointments. Like uh, Marco Rose at Salzburg, his his assistant René Marich, he was a tactical blogger on this uh, this. It was German language site. Um, he's Austrian, I think. Uh, very, very like intricate, difficult. Um, analysis but very interesting and uh, he was just a, a geek essentially you know and um, he got spotted by Thomas Tuchel at Mainz I think, done some sort of clandestine work for them, looking at other teams Bielsa kind of stuff and uh, and then now he's assistant manager of football team and he's 26 years old I think and the guy's, a, he is a somewhat of a genius you know, right. and now um, the Leipzig will take Nagelsmann From Hoffenheim in the end of the the season, again a a young coach, hugely highly rated. Yeah, yeah. he's thirty-one. If even, yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, this is just this is what they do, Mm. and this is something that, especially that director of football role, is exact that should be the powerful role. Yeah, you know, and that's what a team like Manchester United, especially under Mourinho, that's what they needed as a buffer. And a lot of big teams struggle with that. Look at Sari doesn't even know who's getting signed for Chelsea, yeah. or doesn't know if Hudson Odoi's leaving. He just sort of, sort of signs of, off on something. The biggest you know?
6: improvements has been made and it's partly responsible for the upturn. Of whatever way the title goes this season, but Liverpool is Michael Edwards, as, as you know, and his role and, and role in recruitment and all that. Every, yes, people go on, but all oh, the managers should have the final say on transfers, etc. I don't, I don't, I don't get that anymore. Through I, the game is involved. You I mean need it. to have that that's core that has yeah. like the philosophy of the club from top to bottom because managers will come and go and have a structure in and place. And that's the
5: thing, it's the philosophy, that's yeah. the most important yeah. thing and, and that's what Ranjik has done. He's got these three Ks, it's capital, which is generating your own capital, being self-sufficient, concept, which is sort of the, the overbearing message that goes in everything. You know, football players, there's no prima donnas in the Red Bull teams, there's no egos, there's no guys taking selfies all the time that doesn't really exist um I can't remember what the other one was there, um but there, yeah it's about creating this idea there, there,
3: there seems to be like I mean football particularly in the last 10 years so um, and really with like mass consumption of football via internet there seems to have been it, it, like you know the whole this whole thing of the football nerd like I mean that has really exists now whereas it might not have existed so much in the 90s. But And there seems to be an awful lot more people coming into the game that don't actually have a massive background in actually playing the game, but have a huge knowledge of actually understanding how the game works. And is that like where you'd envisage the director of football role being that these are the people that actually, un- like, you know, there's this, whole, there's this whole war going on, I'm sure, within clubs of, I used to be a player, obviously I know how the game works, versus, yeah, well, I actually understand the whole thing.
5: I mean, Roma and Dortmund are two teams that they're sort of director of football or that role, if it's not got that exact title, yeah. they they were involved in playing and they're good at what they do. Yeah, Munchy used to be a goalkeeper. Yeah, man, back, he's, he's know, a, yeah, he's a legend, you know, he's good yeah. at Roma and I think, I can't remember, someone's after pinching him um, this season as the new director of football Yeah, and in uh, Dortmund, I can't remember who's at Dortmund either, but again, they make good decisions. Mm. But, yeah, I would say in general, and even as a manager, I mean, there's talk of of the next sort of, eh, I don't want to say era of manager, but maybe the next, the evolution of managers will be more the analysts are used. Um, And as long as they have people skills, it kind of does make sense in many ways. Even though it's uh, hard to swallow for, for the more sort of, typical football fan which most of us are born in this yeah. generation at our ages.
3: but we've already like, I mean we have seen a few of them I mean obviously Mourinho I know Mourinho kind of played but you could basically say he didn't Bielsa, really play Sarri, Bielsa Sarri Tedesco who was uh, Chelsea manager that was brought in and then he went off to Russia yeah. Yeah. he's the same man he just
5: yeah. he started pointing out to Mourinho and Robson, yeah. when he saw errors in their ways at Porto, yeah. and then he just got plucked. They said this kid's smart, and then did he, he sp- became.
6: Did he spine toe. for Mourinho? And then I think there was a story. Yeah, was was I yeah. think
3: he used to play like football manager.
4: Yeah, I and he lived job. in the same apartment. Yeah. Block that was it, mate. Robson, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, same man. Apartment yeah, yeah, the Porto, yeah. guy t- Fascinating guy.
6: Fascinating I think the guys in the AM show uh, interviewed him at the Web Web Summit, and was fascinating. Like to you know, to it's 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 so unique, and it's we've touched on here a lot. The this evolution away from being the old it's hard the whole, school. It is the whole. I am the manager, it, it Mr. Money, Macho of It's, it's
3: Moneyball, but in a different way. Mm. Like it's it's, it's, it's
5: Moneyball money. with guys that are socialized. You know, yeah, people who can speak it, it, to people exactly. essentially. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah. Because yeah. because the thing the, you're right. Like because it, it does come down to you won't be a good manager if you don't have people skills. That's it.
5: And yeah. I read the other day it was a uh, uh, on Twitter it was uh, one of these coaches sort of analyst types, but he said football. Uh, coaching certainly is 28 to you know 20% uh, of it's crucial to get your tactics right but your team will not do it if they don't like you and if they don't get on so you need to get on with players and when you watch that the you know the city documentary yeah yeah which is great and you see pep is is for me i'm a united fan okay just to nail my colors to the mask but he's the best manager i would say of apart from ferguson obviously but of all time you know he's a genius yeah and uh, and you see that he's got that balance right. He's just yeah. so good with the players. He knows what to do in the media, and and that's how, again going sort of full circle. The earlier, that's why Liverpool will struggle because they've not got a Pep. You know, and Pep is just is in these situations. He's so well versed yeah. in what to do and when. And it's even just hard.
3: even with that documentary, I mean, we only. I mean, you, we got enough from it to know that Pep is mad eccentric. Yes. But w- amazingly, like, that's, that's that's a Manchester City official product. So who knows what was left. On yeah, the- that's
6: the final edit, isn't yeah, it, with yeah. the Man City point like, of and, view? And
3: even still from it, there was a couple of times where I was like, oh, jeez. So <laughs> like, but, like, like, it is amazing because the two came out close enough, the Sunderland one on
4: Netflix. Yeah.
3: You know, like, what a contrast. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah.
4: I think the Sunderland one probably might be more instructive in some ways of the, sure, what the yeah. average football club is absolutely. like, where you don't have money,
6: where your your goalkeeper can't save a shot. <laughs> yeah, <and laughs> but, but yeah. I think
3: like when you look at the problems United have, and to be honest, when you're looking at like what Arsenal are doing, and Arsenal lost. Uh, whatchamacallum left. Sven Mislintat. The, the, he was the door. He was the person they brought in previously. Yeah, he was and, kind of like the head of recruitment. I think is the sound, official reading title. The, reading the reading the, 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 the story in the Guardian, it seemed like he was basically frozen out. Um, Which is
4: weird because they made a big uh, song and dance about him coming in um, at the time and he seemed to be the guy that they were building everything yeah, around and then he's getting, sh- yeah you know, and, and frozen like, out, as you and, say. And, and,
3: like, same thing, like, when the whole focus is... The whole focus from media is still on the manager, but it seems that what's going on behind the scenes is, like, with all that director of football and, I mean, all the talk about... um him in United with Mourinho when things weren't going well. Ed Woodward. Uh, Ed Woodward. I mean, all these people are... You know, seemed to in the be.
5: early days of uh, Abramovich at Chelsea as well. Yeah, it was a um, Roman Abramovich, yeah. right? Yeah, it, it was the same. It was sort of interfering in matters, and I think again that's what Red Bull had to do with Ranier, was kind of get these guys out of the way first. And he's quite open now about saying that was sort of my first challenge. You know, was to make sure that the football team is about football. Yeah, and I think they've had to do that with Formula One as well. So I think that's why. You can't hire a director of football that's sort of a, a symbolic role. Yeah. You know, it must be someone who, like the guy with Arsenal, that was the strangest thing. Because yeah, He, he could he, have he brought wasn't, he was
3: change, in, he was you there, know. Yeah, about a year. Yeah, about he was that. Uh, and I, I think a lot of United's struggles was the fact that Ferguson left and those structures for most modern-day super clubs just weren't there for United. Because they didn't need them at the time. And like even with still, Wenger at his peak,
4: they didn't need it. Yeah. Yeah, it's
3: the Ars- kind of clash of I, cultures. Yeah. Or Arsenal whatever. actually needed it for about about 10 years Yeah, ago. eventually. But yeah, not at the beginning when no. he was first there. You know, And it's so obvious now, I mean, okay, Arsenal are actually doing okay, all things considered. But like it's so obvious how way behind... Other the other teams in the league, in terms of who they're looking to compete against, Arsenal are. When it comes to that, I mean, like when you look at Arsenal's team versus other teams, you go something has gone drastically wrong at that club.
4: It is very poor. And you
3: have and you have a load of players on insane money, and you're just like, what went wrong
4: Our there? Contracts that, running and, out like and, Ramsey's, and, which is yeah, a like
3: mad it, situation. It, it does seem to all come from the fact that it, these days you cannot have a manager on his own having control of everything. It just doesn't work.
4: No, just like their businesses as well as actually managing uh, teams. But I think that almost uh, brings us to an end now. So... uh uh, enjoyable show different uh, bits there from Red Bull to uh, bottle jobs that won't be bottle <laughs> jobs this season um, and then also speaking to the Dutch youth player as well so Joe Coffey thanks for Raph, coming pleasure in pleasure always may Mayo continue to do may well Mayo for Sam 2019 yeah. Raf. and Leitrim to go stride by stride <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, right. a very top we're, 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 of uh, the combined we're tables out
3: to, we're out to prevent the drive for five Raf. <laughs> someone has to do it someone has to do it Are you uh, saying it's
4: not going to be Leitrim <laughs> no we, we did our part in the Colchis versus um, Dub's game the Char- Game last oh yeah! Week
3: oh yeah! I wasn't here last week to <laughs> slag you about that.
4: But I know I got a perfect. Slag I hope Brian
3: Curt was it Brian Kerr your manager? Yes. I hope he gave you some words of encouragement. Yeah
4: but I think after a while you just realised I'm, ho- I'm a hopeless cause like, what can I do like I was drifting into you know the Deuter yeah. that Thomas Muller is like drifting into space so yeah. I drift into space but the ball is <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. over there that's my role and I open space for my teammates as end of call scored etc um, I think Kevin Kilbane is getting a little bit frustrated as well Kerr definitely I think the respect <laughs> I've always dreamed of getting Brian Kerr on this show I think, <laughs> I think we might be, might, be now, <laughs> might be waiting a while Jonathan Higgins thanks for coming no in no worries thank you best of luck To Liverpool, and hopefully, things do go more or less okay. And Ed Norval, thanks a million for joining us. Hopefully, we'll we'll get you back on very soon as well. That's it for this week's show. We'll be back next Tuesday. We might, in the next couple of weeks, have a former Liverpool and Germany defender on working on it. Um, But that's it for now. Take it away, Johan.